Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast. I'm Arlo. I'm Kelly. And you're listening to Crazy Hexy Ghoul. A podcast about everything from the peculiar, the curious, to the bizarre. So join us as we obsess over ghosties and shit. Did you say ghosties and shit? Hell yeah, I did. Okay, you guys, shit's about to get real. Thanks for joining us on our very first episode of our very first podcast. We set out to create a space for everyone to enjoy while we talk about all the spooky shit we love. We just like weird stuff. Yes. Speaking of, Halloween is coming up. Oh. I am so excited. It's August <laughs> and I'm already planning everything for Halloween. I need it to be September before I can <laughs> even consider. And I've already bought some Halloween stuff. Don't get me wrong. But I need September 1st to be able to put up Halloween decor. I just bought a house, so I don't have a lot mm-hmm. of Halloween stuff. Which congratulations, by the way. That's Thank a you. That's a good milestone in someone's life. Yeah, it is. Very happy about it. We're hoping that at the end of this Halloween year, we collect the stuff, but it's going to be in my house year round. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I used to have this friend. uh, She told me that her and her family would just keep the tree up all year round, but it would be a Halloween tree. Oh, very interesting. I knew someone who had seven different Christmas trees up (laughs) in every room of their house. And each Christmas tree was decorated with something different. Okay, Kelly, was that you or your family by chance? It wasn't. It was someone I worked with. You're the friend. I was always really (laughs) jealous of it. So, I mean, (laughs) you have the right sentiment. Mm -hmm. So I think it's time that we hop right into the spoopy shit. I think cryptids are kind of creepy and spoopy. Oh, I love cryptids. I was obsessed with cryptids growing up. Were you in a relationship with one of the cryptids? I might have been. Maybe I am a cryptid. You don't know. I'd date the Mothman. Without fail, I would date the Mothman. He's tall, dark, and handsome. And he has those red glowing eyes. I don't know. Like laser beams. Right to your hearts. I want sharks with freaking laser beams. (laughs) This episode is called I'll Be Your Cryptozoid. So for those of you who may not know what a cryptid is, a cryptid is an animal, a spirit, or an entity that has been claimed to exist, but never proven to exist. Things like a Sasquatch or the Loch Ness Monster, stuff like that. Jersey Devil, all them. Hey, Kelly, tell us about your favorite cryptid, your boyfriend, the Mothman. Mm -hmm. I don't know a lot about the Mothman, so I think this will be kind of educational for me too. Well, I know a lot about him now, so. (laughs) Okay, so the Mothman is considered to be an omen for bad tidings or bad news. He's normally seen before a big event, and honestly, he's been seen a lot since the 1960s. So, I'm going to tell you about the first instance of Mothman. It happened in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, in 1966 on November 12th. Five men in the nearby town of Clendenin were digging a grave when they reported seeing a man-like shadow figure fly over their heads from a nearby tree. Three days later, November 15th, two young couples, Roger and Linda Scarberry and Stephen Mary Mallet, told police they were chased in their car by a black figure with a 10-foot wingspan and glowing red eyes. This happened near Point Pleasant and by a former World War II munitions area called the TNT area. Sounds (laughs) banging. 
That was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go ahead and skip ahead to 1967, December 15th. About a year later, this day was the day that the Silver Bridge collapsed and killed 46 people, throwing them into 44 degree water. So the Silver Bridge opened in 1928, about 40 years before. The Silver Bridge connected Point Pleasant to Gallipolis and was the first bridge in the United States to forego wire suspension for an I-bar link suspension. The bridge was held above water using a series of flat metal links joined by steel I-bars. These I-bars were about 12 inches wide and 2 inches thick, resembling giant-sized automotive wrenches, but there was a crack in I-bar number 330 on the Ohio side of the bridge. It brought down the entire structure. There was a state trooper who was a witness to it occurring. This was state trooper Rudy O'Dell. He said that as the bridge collapsed, the deck flipped upside down, dumping all the cars and trucks into oh the water. The bridge fell moments later, crushing most of those vehicles. That That's scary as fuck. Yeah. Talk about tragic. Yeah. Just So, I have a couple of survivor stories. Okay, there was someone named Charlene Wood who was pregnant at the time. She drove home from her job at the hair salon. She was moving about 15 miles per hour as she approached the bridge, which was filled with truckers, commuters, and Christmas shoppers. As she drove over it, she felt it begin to shake. Wood put her car into reverse and was about to move back a short distance before the rocking of the bridge stalled her car. She was four feet away from the precipice when, within 60 seconds, the silver bridge rocked and collapsed into the river. Can you imagine? No, I can't. That's crazy. Ugh. Oh my god. So I have another story. Mm -hmm. uh, Bill Needham was less lucky. He was driving a truck across the bridge when it collapsed and threw him into the river. He was able to escape from his partially opened window. I didn't know how far I had to go up, he recalled, but I could tell the water kept getting lighter. He used a nearby box as a flotation device and was rescued 15 minutes later. His partner, Robert Toe, didn't make it. I have one more story of a survivor from the Silver Bridge collapse. Howard Boggs was a passenger in a car with his 17-month-old child and his 18-year-old wife, Marjorie, who was driving. Their car was heaved into the river by the collapsing bridge. When Howard was pulled to safety by a rescue boat, he told the crew on board, I just hope to God Marjorie and the kid got out okay. Their bodies were found in the car six weeks later. Wow. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. That's, that's traumatizing. Yeah. Could you imagine surviving, like being the husband? Oh, man. This whole tragedy was people attribute the Mothman trying to warn the whole town that something bad was about to happen yeah. for a year prior. So that's not the last sighting of Mothman. Most disasters around the world he's seen. One of them being the Chernobyl disaster. So weeks before April 26th, 1986, people started seeing a creature. The description seemed to change slightly, but they all seemed to have this in common. A large man-like creature with wings said to be around 20 feet. No one had seen anything similar in the area before. The people who did see this creature were said to suffer from headaches, nightmares, and threatening phone calls with no one on the other end. Hmm. They called this creature the Blackbird of Chernobyl, and people considered him to be a bad omen. These sightings were said to be more frequent up until Saturday, April 26th of 1989, where there was a nuclear accident in reactor number four at the power plant in Chernobyl. I'm not going to go into too many details because I think most people know about this tragedy, and if you haven't seen it, the HBO 
series Chernobyl, everyone should check it out. It's so good. Okay, yeah, I've never seen it. It said that it's one of the nuclear disasters rated at the 7 on the International Nuclear Event Scale. The other being rated a 7 was a 2011 Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant that malfunctioned by the tsunami and the earthquake. People were also said to see the Mothman right before then as well. There was also a Georgian newspaper that interviewed a Russian UFOologist. The man claimed that the Mothman was sighted in Moscow right before the 1999 Russian apartment bombings. The Mothman is also said to have been seen before and during the 9-11 attack. What do you mean during? There's pictures, actually. Oh my god. That people have of the towers falling down. Can we put this on our Instagram? Ooh, Are there pictures yeah. for us to put on there? Like, I think so. Let's do it. Okay. We'll be up. So there's also a Mothman Festival in Point Pleasant. Back to Point Pleasant. Apparently, it is the third week or every third week in September. So it's every year. There's a Mothman statue you can see. There's live bands. There's the Mothman Museum. And there's also Mothman-themed restaurants. And that TNT area where the the two couples that I told you about saw mm. the Mothman the first time. Yeah. You can tour the TNT area. People really romanticize the Mothman, which is crazy because there's so much tragedy wrapped around it. Why would you want yeah. to idolize something like that? I mean, yeah. I guess you are too. It's mm-hmm. it's one of those very interesting, Someone... strange things that you can't really prove, but you know mm-hmm. deep down that it exists. Yeah. And some people think of him as a bad thing. I choose to see him in a better light because he's trying to warn people. Like, he's trying to warn people away from the area, which is why he's seen chasing people down. Or why he has such a uh, dark, like, a scary appearance. So he's, like, you think he's genuinely trying to scare people to leave the situation that they're in because something bad might happen right then? Yes, that's what I think. That's interesting. That brings me to my next point. Since, let's see, I don't want to get the year wrong, 2011. Mm -hmm. So since 2011... Mothman's been seen in Chicago. And I have a couple of people's stories, actually. Lon Strickler has tracked 29 sightings in 2017 alone, most of them occurring near Lake Michigan. wonder what's going to happen in that area. I don't think I want to know. That or there's just some really large bird creature making its nest around Lake Michigan. I don't know. Maybe he just made a little home there for himself. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Lon Strickler, the guy who's been tracking these sightings, He made his own website, phantomsandmonsters.com, and all these sightings he has recorded on there. So I'm going to read a couple off. Okay, yeah. Cool. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Last night, Wednesday, August 9th, 2017, at approximately 9.20 p.m., the witness and her husband were returning to her parents' residence after taking a brief walk along North Lakeshore Drive. As they approached East Schiller Street, they noticed something large and dark flying towards them from their left, from the direction of Lake Michigan. Both witnesses were startled as the flying anomaly crossed ahead of them at an altitude of 20 or so feet. They watched the anomaly sweep upwards over the trees in front of 1400 North Lakeshore Drive, then stop midair after it reached a height just a few stories above the top of the building. It hovered with large pair of wings approximately for five seconds as it seemed to focus on the windows in front of it. Then it bent backwards, fell into a dive towards the trees. The witnesses hurriedly walked in the direction of the intersection and turned right on East Schiller Street, 
quickly walking towards the entrance of the condominium building. Then, suddenly, the large winged being slowly descended in front of them, no more than 25 feet away. It hovered about 5 feet above the sidewalk, with its wings spread open as it peered at the couple with large bright red eyes that slowly altered back and forth in intensity. Several people on the other side of the street, including a delivery van driver, reacted with screams and frightened yelps. The winged being hovered for 10 seconds, then quickly pulled the wings into its body, shot up quickly into the night. There was no sound, other than the rush of air as the being flew upwards quickly. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, and I know the directions were a little confusing, but if you actually go to his website, he has pictures of the whole area and directions of where they walked, where they saw it, and pictures of the building they saw it at, too. Any chance it was actually Batman? Um, was Michael Keaton up there? <laughs> it's funny you mentioned Batman because the whole point of him being called Mothman was because Batman was so popular that they kind of jumped off of Batman's name and called him the Mothman. So they didn't want it to be like associated with the Batman series. Well, I think they wanted to. It was like news reporters that started calling him the Mothman. It was more catchy than w- dark winged being with yeah. ominous presence. Also very scary. Oh, one thing I didn't mention about the Mothman mm-hmm. is that everyone who sees him describe a feeling of fear or impending doom. It would make sense that he would cause fear because he's trying to warn you. I, I am kind of scared. So also, my microphone that I'm using today has a big red light on it. You know, you and I have the same microphones. We both have these red lights. We can both see them. Uh-huh. The past few nights, I have left my microphone in the window and I can see that glowing red light. And I knew you were going to do the Mothman and I knew he had glowing red eyes yeah so it kind of like set me off i was like oh jesus you know like what is this (laughs) but there was only one so i kind of like oh okay that's my microphone it's not like the mothman in my house Uh, yeah trying to scare me it could be the one-eyed mothman that's not a thing kelly (laughs) don't make that a thing god Thank so, you for sharing about the Mothman. You're welcome. Um, to shedding some light. I love the Mothman. I didn't realize he was still hanging around uh, Chicago. Like, like literally? Yeah. Literally hanging around? Literally hanging around. around? Gliding around? Please tell Kelly that there's a thing called Chi-Town. I believe you. I just <laughs> lived in Illinois. I never went to Chicago, though, so that would explain why You never I went to know. Chi-Town? I never went to Chi-Town. <laughs> I am Chi-Town. <laughs> You're weird, and I love it. <laughs> So, okay. I think that's enough about the Mothman. What's your favorite cryptid? Oh, my favorite cryptid. Um, it sounds light in comparison to yours. I don't know if I can do it. Uh, let me get my notes. Let me see. Okay, so my favorite cryptid is the Kelpie. And Ooh. yeah, so anyone who does not know what a Kelpie is, I'm here to explain it to you, obviously. Um, the Kelpie is a shape-shifting water spirit, and it haunts rivers and streams. I love Kelpies! <laughs> I don't know if you're going to love them uh, after you hear a little more about the Kelpie. So let me just start with the origins, because there are several different origins. The main origin I found is Scottish. But there's also like the Kelpie in India and Ireland and all parts of the UK and Europe and stuff like that. Holy crap. So he's all... So this is a pretty big... Kelpie gets around. Oh, he he gallops around. (laughs) Or she. Or they. He or she. Or they. Yes. We want to be, you know, gender inclusive Mm -hmm. and not gender exclusive. Okay. So the Kelpie might be non-binary. We're not sure. We're not here to judge. Okay. Here we go. So the Kelpie, uh, it appears like a horse and it can shape shift into human form, male or female. 
Sometimes it's even said that the Kelpie keeps part of its form where it still has hooves or might even look like a horse on its bottom half. Oh, like a centaur. Yeah, like a centaur. Oh, okay. Exactly like a centaur. Okay, so another characteristic of the Kelpie that you should always look out for, look down at their hooves and the hooves will oftentimes be pointed backwards. Oh, (laughs) it's not a normal centaur. (laughs) It's a water centaur of death. The Kelpie's hair has often been described as being that of seaweed and other water plant types. So, look, when I was doing the research for the Kelpie, I could not help but think of old Greg. And he's got the seaweed in his hair. Ever drank Baileys from a shoe? (laughs) So it's very possible that uh, old Greg is a Kelpie. We just don't know. That makes a lot of sense. Because old Greg's, like, canonically non-binary, isn't he? Yes. Maybe he's a rejected Kelpie. He was still beautiful in his own way. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so I put two different stories together. So the origins are from several different places. Kelpies in their full horse form try to lure the unsuspecting person to get on its back, to ride it. Once the rider gets up on top of the Kelpie, the rider becomes stuck to the skin of the Kelpie's back. Oh my god. The Kelpie then takes off into the lake or pond with the person still on the back drowning it. (gasps) And then they eat them. Oh my gosh. It's also said in Kelpie folklore that an unsuspecting little boy sees the Kelpie, pets it, and his hand gets stuck to the neck of the Kelpie. (gasps) The boy then, to get himself free, he'll cut his fingers or his entire hand to avoid being dragged back into the water and drowned and eaten by the Kelpie. Oh my god! Which, to tell you the truth, I would rather be handless than to die. Yeah. And also, it's said that the sound of the Kelpie's tail while entering the water sounds a lot like thunder clapping on the water. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Now that we've finished talking about our favorite cryptids, we think it's best to talk about one of the Oklahoma cryptids, since we're both from Oklahoma. We're both from Oklahoma. (laughs) (laughs) Oklahoma. Oklahoma, where the wind comes leaving down. Just down the plain and the waving weeds, it sure smells sweet when the wind comes right behind the rain. Oklahoma. Okay, and we're done with that. Kelly, you are an amazing singer. Aww. Why are you doing this podcast with me? You should be like, you I'm know, YouTube or something and like do your own shit. That's too much effort. <laughs> this podcast is less effort. I'm just joking. It's not. Because <laughs> it's not. Okay, you guys, podcasts are hard. All right, so I'm sure you guys out there want to know what our cryptid is exclusively in Oklahoma, and that is... Okay, the Oklahoma octopus is a cryptid generally said to inhibit some freshwater, man-made lakes, and those include Lake Thunderbird, Ulaga Lake, and Lake Tenkiller, where it's it's said to attack and kill unsuspecting swimmers. And to this day, there's really no good footage of it. We think it exists through the stories people tell. There's one story I found. There's a lot of drowning accidents that have occurred in past that are unexplained. They occurred in unusual circumstances or there's something odd about what was going on. Very sus. Yes. Situations. Yes. I don't know if you said this, but it is a freshwater octopus, supposedly. So there was a heartbreaking incident that occurred in 2007. A boy who had swam too far from shore started to drown. As the boy struggled to stay afloat, he cried out something was pulling him down. 
A rescue was attempted unsuccessfully. The boy drowned. His body was never recovered. That's really scary. Yeah. And very ominous. According to the Army Corps of Engineers office in Tulsa, as of 2008, occurrences of drowning were happening at a rate not seen since 2001. Mid-2008, there was an increase of 40% in drownings since 2007. Yeah. So apparently, there is a Native American legend of a similar creature. Honestly, that's not surprising considering where we live, you know, being native yeah. land. True. Uh, the only claim available is that natives believe in a leech-like creature with white tentacles that lives in ponds and would snatch unsuspecting people as they came to the edge for a drink. I hope we're not, like, doing any kind of disgrace to our, our state. Yeah, or the Native <laughs> American tribes that oh, yeah. live in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry if I got any of Absolutely. this wrong. And if we did, um, let us know. Yeah, please let us know because we want to pay our respects and share the information correctly right, and, and as honest as possible. And as respectful as possible. Yes, we don't want to disrespect anyone's culture in any mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. Right. There's one more story that has three teenagers in it. Tyler Schumann, Ruthie Simple, and Bruce Delroy were reported to have drowned, pulled down by this creature. The newspaper reports also apparently said that two other teenagers with them had blister-like wounds and scabs, like the marks caused by an octopus suckers. Not sure where this newspaper is. I haven't looked at it, but freaky. That is freaky. But also, you know, I don't want to be, like, too skeptical on this, but they're teenagers, like... I was doing some pretty weird shit when I was a teenager, so I don't know. That makes one of us. I <laughs> I was a goody two shoes, didn't do anything. You never got sucked by an octopus when you were a kid. Sure didn't. <laughs> or even faked it for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a hickey on your neck? Nah, mom, I got sucked by an octopus at the freaking lake. Let's talk about some fun honorable mentions. Yeah. Are you into that? Yeah, let's do, let's it. do it. Okay, so I found one that was kind of fun, and I really only picked this one to tell you guys about because it's... <laughs> Because it's Cactus Cat. Um, And, you know, I love cacti. And cats are pretty dope. Okay, so the Cactus Cat is a mythical creature and fearsome critter. It's described as a bobcat-like animal with thorn-like fur, sharp bones protruding from its front legs, and a branched tail. The Cactus Cat has been sighted in the southwestern desert in states, you know, such as California, Nevada, New Mexico, and with a few sightings in Colorado. Cowboys and pioneers of the 19th century made up tales that these strange beasts came out at night slashing open cacti exposing the sap on later nights the creature was said to drink the fermented juice and probably got a little crazy they were like "Ooh, what is this this caused the cats to enter intoxicated state oh okay i spoke too soon stumbling around and rarely attacking travelers (laughs) okay have you seen avatar the last airbender no there's a scene where one of the group members Sokka, ends up drinking fermented cactus juice mm-hmm. and he he goes this is the quenchiest and he's just <laughs> drunk <laughs> it was great the cactus cat was not considered an aggressive creature except towards the cacti <laughs> <laughs> those poor cacti cats in general are you know they seem like the type that that would attack cacti so this story it doesn't seem out of the ordinary to me. Um, okay, and this, it goes on to say that the critter was also known to have a unique and haunting wail that could be heard at night through the darkened desert, along with the dry sound of its bones rubbing together. Oh my gosh. Okay, so who's who's reporting these sightings? It basically says cowboys and pioneers in the 19th century. Were they eating the fermented cacti as well? Probably. Were they just like in the middle of the desert, like... 
that cacti looks like a cat. And then that's how it was created, that they just appeared like that to them because they were fucked up out of their minds? Possibly. The story of the cactus cat is probably fueled by numerous cases of misidentification. Yes. Most likely being a bobcat, mountain lion, or porcupine. The cat's whale may have also been that of a puma. It is also likely that the affable cactus cat was never believed to exist and, like most fearsome critters, was a product of a few bored woodsmen on a warm desert night. They were probably drunk. <laughs> so the first one I want to talk about is the skunk ape of Florida. Sounds really stinky and aggressive. It does sound really stinky and aggressive. The pictures, <laughs> here, I'm going to show you the picture too. It kind of looks like Bigfoot. Oh my god. Yeah. He looks like he's got a massive underbite. Yeah, he does. (laughs) And his eyes are a little, like, red and glowy. Those are some big canines. This large, hairy, bipedal mammal is said to inhabit southern United States. It's most often spotted in Florida. It gets its name from its unpleasant odor, which is... (laughs) (laughs) It's said to be similar to rotten eggs or methane. Ooh. Although reports of the creature were most common in the 60s and 1970s, Sightings still continue today. The most famous one took place in 2000. That year, two photographs of an animal alleged to be the skunk ape were mailed to the Sarasota Sheriff Department in Florida, along with a letter from a woman who said she'd photographed the creature in her backyard. In her backyard? Why didn't she just take it to them directly? That, yeah. That's a little sus to me. Yeah. Not that it's not a real thing or that she didn't capture it, but like, wouldn't you want to like do that face-to-face, like, hey, look, I found this? Yeah. Or do you think maybe she was like too embarrassed? Or I mean, I probably would be. I don't <laughs> I'm not sure. Realistically, <laughs> probably. Yeah, like I don't really blame her. It was probably like her and her husband and kids in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> she said that the cryptid had entered her yard for three nights and taken apples from her porch. He was hungry. Yeah, especially, I would be hungry too if I smelled like sewage. She was convinced the animal was an escaped orangutan, but the police dispatched to her house several times never saw the animal. Oh, so they actually came to her house. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The National Park Service says the skunk ape is a myth that developed from Native American legends. The skunk ape research headquarters, there's a research headquarters. um, Wow, that's... They say the creature might be a part of the same species as Bigfoot. (laughs) Moving on from the dense swamp of Florida, to the depths of Lake Tahoe with this badass bitch, Tahoe Tessie. Tahoe Tessie. It's an aquatic creature in Lake Tahoe. It is also traced back to members of the Washoe tribe in the mid-19th century who said the cryptid lived in an underwater tunnel beneath Cave Rock. Sightings of Tessie, who got her name from the famous Nessie Loch Ness fame, continue today, with witnesses describing the creature as being between 10 and 80 feet long, having a serpentine body, and the coloration ranging from black to turquoise. Wow. There are several theories surrounding Tessie, the most popular being that the animal is a plethosaur, ichthyosaur, or mosasaur? They're all of the dinosaur family. (laughs) Okay. Think of the Loch Ness Monster, what people consider that. Kind of looks similar, apparently. Except it has, like, a long body. Fossils of those dinosaurs, though, are or those creatures have been found in the surrounding Sierra Nevada mountains. Scientists say this is unlikely because the lake formed in the last ice age, long after those animals went extinct. Other Tessie theories say she could simply be a large sturgeon or an unidentified species of freshwater eel. Oh, 
That seems somewhat believable. That's really big for an eel, though. True. I mean, up to 80 feet. Mm-hmm. Ugh. You don't want that thing lurking around at your feet. Real? Yeah, I really <laughs> not rather not imagine that. Right. Ugh. Well, Tahoe, Tessie sounds like a badass bitch. Yeah, she Straight does. Straight up. I'm afraid of her now. Like, don't come across her or she will get you. Okay? She is not. She didn't come to play. Okay. I think that's it. If anyone out there has any cool, fun stories, cryptid related or not, even ghosty stories, maybe we'll tell your stories. Yep. So if you'd like to email us, our email is crazyhexyghoul at gmail.com. Until next time. Thank you guys for listening. The music in this podcast is by the band The Daddios. This is Kelly. And I'm Arlo. And you're listening to Crazy Hexy Ghoul. We'll see you next time.